Welcome to the second episode of the Hire Hacker Podcast. This is your host, Ryan Kohler. Um, and today we're going to dig into kind of the paradigm shift that a Hire Hacker has the underdog hero versus the big giant Goliath Corporation when we approach hiring. Now, just to kick back and remember what we're all about, right? What is a hire hacker? A hire hacker is a small, mid-sized business, HR person, business owner, whoever it is that drives the hiring at an organization that believes that they can go head-to-head with their big, giant competition, not by playing their game, not by using the same approach, by actually using the strengths of the little guy, right? Where the big guy's strengths is money and brand and team and size and, and career paths and all those types of things. The, the hacker, the underdog's power is their speed and flexibility and agility. And so today we're going to dig into specifically kind of the philosophy or the paradigm that higher hackers have that the underdog has to have in order to win. But we do that first by going back and looking at what the default philosophy or paradigm is of the, the hiring world, of the employers, right? Um, if we spin all the way back to the Industrial Revolution, right? Think back, you know, 1800s, 1700s, right? Businesses really were kind of just artisans, right? It, it was some guy who was a baker, some guy who was a, a blacksmith or whatever the case may be, and maybe had a couple employees or probably his relatives, his neighbors, something like that. It wasn't until the Industrial Revolution comes along that we actually see corporations starting to really be formed and acquiring employees, right? They start doing manufacturing at a scale that uses a ton of labor. And to be honest, they really didn't treat that labor very well. In fact, if you look at most of our labor laws today, I remember I, I studied for the SPHR test and went and took that test, and, and it didn't really give me a lot of knowledge about how to hire today. But what it did tell me is where employers paradigm about employees came from. It came from a period of time where they really viewed these employees as simply a cog in the wheel. They really didn't care about them very much at all. They were just a tool to be used to get to what they wanted. And and this practice or this concept is, has brought itself in today. Now, clearly, you know, employers aren't as, as ruthless as they were back then. But the concept or the paradigm that they view the world through is still pretty much the same. And, and that concept is the idea that because the employers have the money, they're the ones paying the money in the transaction, that they are the buyer and therefore the job seeker or employee is the seller. And what they're selling them is their resume, their themselves. In fact, if you think about it, if you went to college and you, you went to any you know courses on resumes or, or getting a job or any of those types of things, you would see the same exact concept, right? The colleges are teaching our kids, teaching kids there that they are the product they need to sell themselves to an employer. And that's a completely valid approach for them to take because that is the paradigm that's there. Right. And so employers view it that way. And what this leads them to do is to focus the hiring process and, and the job ad and the requirements all based on what they want. Just just kind of think about the normal way that an employer goes through starting up the hiring process. Right. They start by sitting down with the manager and they come up with a job requisition. Just think about I mean, think about the word requisition in other business terms. It's how we acquire or buy an asset. 
right? And, and it is the, a very one-sided approach where the person is saying, this is a list of our requirements or our demands. And, and so HR helps these managers build job requisitions that turn into a job description. And a default legal job description really is like, I mean, it's like a bank robber brought a lawyer with him. It is their list of demands. You must have these qualifications. You will do these things. This will be how you are measured on. It is completely and utterly focused on the employer. And while job descriptions have their place in this world, when you take that job description and you put it out there as an ad, it is a very one-sided ad. It is all about the employer. And that right there is the default de facto paradigm that most employers view the hiring world through. The lens that they get to set the rules, they get to put out their list of demands, they get to set the gauntlet the job seekers have to run through to get to the other end of it. And at the end of the day, the new hire should just be, you know, grateful that they were given the opportunity to work for this awesome, gracious employer. Now, if you are a big dog, if you're Goliath, if you're Apple and Facebook and, and those types of companies, then maybe you can approach the world that way. Because getting a job at Apple or Facebook literally can make my career. It will completely and utterly change the trajectory of my life. And inside of almost every industry, there are those big dogs, right? Whether it's in the accounting world or the consulting world, right? You land a job at these companies and it changes the trajectory of your career from that point forward. But here's a newsflash. If you're like me, if you're just a small mid-sized company, you ain't that special. You, you simply are not providing. You aren't that. But if you approach hiring the same way as these big dogs, you're going to fall flat on your face because the simple fact of the matter is the big dogs who use this very like it's all about us and what our demands are approach they have something valuable enough to offer that they can get away with it. Now, as a hire hacker or growth hacker period, the, the job of us is to not play the game and not play by the same rules. Now, that doesn't mean not being compliant legally, okay? That's not the kind of rules I'm talking about. The rules I'm talking about are the accepted rules that everybody accepts willingly, not by law. The rules that job descriptions or what ads look like. The rules that certain requirements like a college degree makes you better than somebody without a college degree. All of these de facto generally accepted rules that are not laws, that are not compliant, were set and put in place by the big dogs to ensure that they maintain their big dog status, right? And, and we roll back to the story of David versus Goliath and what David didn't do was walk up toe to toe with a sword and a shield. You see, what Goliath depended on in order for him to win was for whatever opponent was selected to play by the rules that Goliath had implied by showing up in the middle of the battlefield with a sword and a shield. What David did is kind of our first true growth hacker is he stepped up and said, well, I'll fight the battle, but I don't have to accept the terms of the battlefield because there were no rules. And so instead of just accepting the terms of the battlefield, David changed the battlefield. He said, well, this is going to be a battle of distance. We're going to step all the way back here. I'm going to stay back 100 yards away from you. Suddenly, all of Goliath's strengths became weaknesses. He was big, which made him a big target. 
He had all that armor which made him slow to move. And so the job of a growth hacker is that you enter the marketplace and you flip the current paradigm upside down and you look at it from a different angle. And so if you're going to be a higher hacker, then you approach it the same way. And it's as simple as this. Remember, the default paradigm is that the employer is the buyer because they have the cash and the job seeker is the seller because they want the cash and therefore their resume is the product. Now, when we turn around and say we're going to flip this upside down, what we're saying is the employer now becomes the seller. They're selling the opportunity of working for them. The product being sold is not the resume, it's the job. And the job seeker is the target customer. Now this seems like semantics, but when you actually think about it, it is a huge deal. Because if you look at your job from the viewpoint that it is a product you're trying to sell, most likely you would look at that and say, man, our product's not that special. It, it may not be worse than everybody else's, but it actually might be. But it definitely isn't better than everybody else's. You would look at your ad and say, oh my gosh, this is the worst piece of marketing on the face of the planet. Because when you posted it, you didn't think about it being a piece of marketing. You thought about it being your list of demands. But when you flip that concept upside down and you're looking at it saying, the job seekers are buyer, you know one of the biggest things you immediately understand is you don't really understand the job seeker at all. You're not even trying to. You might as an HR person understand what other HR people want. You definitely don't understand what programmers or salespeople or you know, HVAC technicians, you don't have any idea about what those people want as buyers and the segments of potential job seekers. Most likely because you've never tried to understand them because it wasn't your job in the old paradigm. Now, as a, as a hacker who's going to take and flip this upside down, our job then becomes to use a different approach, right? And, and that different approach follows a handful of things. Let's start with the first one, that, that we need to create a better job. Like, I mean, this is not a talent shortage. This is a war or competition for talent. And if this is a competition and we compete using the jobs that we're trying to sell, just think about this like a car. You need to create a better car, not the same car. All the car manufacturers don't just copy each other's cars. They try to differentiate their car from somebody else's, right? And so you need to differentiate by creating a better job. And you create this job if you think about it. I think about it from a product standpoint. And when I'm designing a product, I, it, it kind of follows three core things. It needs to be unique. It needs to be compelling. And it needs to be credible. Not the same, but just think about the last time that you wrote a job ad. Most likely you copied that ad from somebody else. Most likely the job description was copied from somebody else. You see, the best practices of us copying each other are actually harming us when it comes to competing for talent because it's turning us into a commodity marketplace where all the jobs of a given title in a given industry seem like they're all the same. And when it's a commodity, you compete on pay. And the people who can pay the most are the big dogs. So we start with differentiation. We have to make our job, the opportunity we're working for, is different. And the way we make it different is by using what I believe is, is honestly one of the greatest superpowers or weapons of a hacker, and that is empathy. You simply dig in and understand your target customer, that being the job seeker. 
as the person who's going to create the job or write the ads or engage with these people, you have to use empathy to actually get in their mind and say, what are their fears and frustrations? What are their wants and aspirations? And how can I create a job that fulfills those things? Now, once you've got a job that's great, then you need to write an ad that actually positions that job as great. And let me tell you a secret, job descriptions don't do that. Because an ad is about the buyer and convincing the buyer why they should want to buy your product. Yep, that's right. A job ad is a piece of marketing targeted towards the job seeker that needs to answer one simple question. Why should I want to apply for this job? And that's it. That's the only question you need to answer with it. And so the way that you write a better ad is, number one, by being authentic. By actually telling the truth and explaining what this job is like as much as possible in the words of your target customer, not in your words, in their vocabulary, in their terminology. You speak their language because when somebody reads it who's a good fit, they should say, oh my gosh, this sounds like me. This sounds like the perfect job for me. This sounds like the job I've been looking for. And I can tell you, nobody reads a job description and says that. Authenticity and a story. Because again, I'm telling a story with my job ad so that my potential job seeker who's a good fit can see themselves in that job. When they see themselves in that job, they apply, right? Next up after a better ad is we have to expand the reach of the ad. We have to expand the audience who will actually see the job. That doesn't mean more job boards. That means we need to make sure that we get in front of the wherever our target audience is at. We need to find the most amount of leverage, meaning leverage means not just applicants, but actually qualified people who will see my ad and expand that or optimize. Optimize means do whatever it takes to generate the most amount of attention from those sources. Next up is conversion, right? We need to actually cause people who are reading this ad wherever they're at whether it's a job board or social media or on our career site or wherever we have to make them want to act right that that really is it said the difference between information and marketing is that marketing calls you to act right the job ad wherever it's at and the way that it's laid out and the way that it's engaged off of that wherever that source is needs to call me to act and make it easy for me to act and then finally, we have to make it easy to apply, right? Reduce the friction. Just think about it. Again, when we change our paradigm to say we're, we're selling this job to the job seekers, it becomes absolutely insane that we would try to make it hard for people to buy. Just imagine if that was Amazon's business model. We're going to make it so hard for people to buy a product from us. We're gonna make it difficult. We're gonna ask them a ton of questions before they can buy. We're gonna hide the buy now button. They would never in a million years, in fact, Amazon, every e-commerce company, every web-based company, does everything they can, can to make it easier for the customer to buy the product. But using the old paradigm where the employer is the buyer, well, they don't care about how hard it is for a job seeker to sell themselves to them. But when a hacker flips that upside down, says, I'm going to look at it in a different way and says, no, 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 the job seeker is the buyer and I am the seller, then instantly it changes the power in the relationship. Now, you might look at this and say, oh my gosh, you're catering to millennials thinking this way. Oh my gosh, we're catering to the job seeker. This won't work. Look, there is a balance between the job seeker and the employer. I totally get it. But right now, the scales are so skewed towards the employer. 
that the way you win is tipping the scales back the other way. It doesn't mean that you're going to let uh, hire people that are disqualified or not qualified for the job. Clearly, you're still going to have a screening and selection process. But when it comes to acquiring qualified candidates, this by far is the way that we maximize the number of applicants for the amount of money spent. It works every time. The, the downside is, if you're risk averse, you're going to be doing things that nobody else in your industry does, which can be kind of scary. On the flip side, you're going to be doing things that nobody else does, which sets you apart. And believe me, they actually won't follow you. They'll actually laugh at you. They'll make fun of you. They'll think you're nuts. The beauty is they don't know whether it's working or not because they can't see the applicant flow you're getting. Just like you can't see that the approach that you've been copying in the past isn't working because you can't see how hideous their applicant flow numbers are. And so this is the switch of the paradigm. Again, if you want to hack the hiring process, if you want to hack your hiring results, if you are a small company who feels at a disadvantage that doesn't have the same money, the same resources, the same team, the same pay, the same brand, then this is how you do it. You switch your paradigm upside down and you say, no, no, from this point forward, we will view the job seeker as the customer. We'll view our job as the product. And we will view our job as that of the vendor trying to win the most customers in a world of competition against all of the other people who have jobs available. This one switch completely changes everything going forward. And as we go through this podcast, each time we're going to come back to this simple paradigm. The job seeker is the customer. Period. End of story. The job is your product. It better be a good product. And you, your job is to sell that product out there in the marketplace. Thanks so much for listening. The next episode is going to take this and we're going to dump a bunch of metrics into the mix. We're going to talk about now, how do you do the, this philosophy? How do you actually execute it from the number side of the equation? Same concepts, same end result, but just using the more analytical side of your brain where today we're using the more creative, kind of intuitive and, and emotional side of your brain. So make sure you watch the next episode. Until next time, good luck hiring.